Good evening. I hope you've had a great day today. Welcome to BVJ's Bedtime Stories. I'm Big Voice Jay, and this is a show where we get you ready for a good night's sleep with public domain short stories just for you. Links to all the stories can be found at the show notes at bedtimewithbvj.com. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a buy me a coffee link on every page and post. Tonight we continue our story, The Idiots, by Joseph Conrad. The tide was creeping in quietly, putting out long impatient arms of strange rivulets that ran towards the land between ridges of sand. Under the night the pools grew bigger with mysterious rapidity, while the great sea, yet far off, thundered in irregular rhythm along the indistinct line of the horizon. Susan splashed her way back for a few yards without being able to get clear of the water that murmured tenderly all around, and suddenly, with a spiteful gurgle, nearly took her off her feet. Her heart thumped with fear. This place was too big and too empty to die in. Tomorrow they would do with her what they liked, but before she died she must tell them, tell the gentleman in black clothes that there are things no woman can bear. She must explain how it happened. She splashed through a pool, getting wet to the waist, too preoccupied to care. She must explain. He came in the same way as ever and said, Just so, do you think I am going to leave the land of those people for Morabian that I do not know? Do you? We shall see. Come along, you creature of mischance. And he put his arms out. Then, messieurs, I said, before God, never. And he said, striding at me with open palms, there is no God to hold me. Do you understand, you useless carcass? I will do what I like. And he took me by the shoulders. And I, messieurs, called to God for help. And next minute, while he was shaking me, I felt my long scissors in my hand. His shirt was unbuttoned, and by the candlelight, I saw the hollow of his throat. I cried, let go. He was crushing my shoulders. He was strong, my man was. Then I thought, no, must I? Then take, and I struck in the hollow place. I never saw him fall. The old father never told his head. He is deaf and childish, gentlemen. Nobody saw him fall. I ran out. Nobody saw She had been scrambling amongst the boulders of the raven and now found herself, all out of breath, standing amongst the heavy shadows of the rocky islet. The raven is connected with the mainland by a natural pier of immense and slippery stones. She intended to return home that way. Was he still standing there? At home. Home. Four idiots and a corpse. She must go back and explain. Anybody would understand. Below her, the night or the sea seemed to pronounce distinctly, Aha! I see you at last. She started, slipped, fell, and without attempting to rise, listened, terrified. She heard heavy breathing, a clatter of wooden clogs. It stopped. Where the devil did you pass? said an invisible man hoarsely. She held her breath. She recognized the voice. She had not seen him fall. Was he pursuing her there dead? Or perhaps alive? She lost her head. 
She cried from the crevice where she lay huddled. Never. Never. Ah, you are still there. You led me a fine dance. Wait, my beauty, I must see how you look after all this. You wait. Me always stumbling, laughing, swearing meaninglessly out of pure satisfaction, pleased with himself for having run down that fly-by-night. As if there were such things as ghosts. Bah! It took an old soldier to show those clodhoppers. But it was curious. Who the devil was she? Susan listened, crouching. He was coming for her, this dead man. There was no escape. What a noise he made amongst the stones. She saw his head rise up, then his shoulders. He was tall, her own man. His long arms waved about, and it was his own voice sounding a little strange. Because of the scissors. She scrambled out quickly, rushed to the edge of the causeway, and turned round. The man stood still on a high stone, detaching himself in dead black on the glitter of the sky. "'Where are you going to?' he called roughly. She answered, "'Home!' and watched him intensely. He made a striding, clumsy leap onto another boulder and stopped again, balancing himself, then said, "'Ha, ha, ha!' Well, I am going with you. It's the least I can do. (laughs) She stared at him till her eyes seemed to become glowing coals that burned deep into her brain, and yet she was in mortal fear of making out the well-known features. Below her, the sea lapped softly against a rock, with a splash continuous and gentle. The man said, advancing another step, I am coming for you. What do you think? She trembled, coming for her. There was no escape, no peace, no hope. She looked round despairingly. Suddenly the whole shadowy coast, the blurred islets, the heaven itself, swayed about twice, then came to a rest. She closed her eyes and shouted, Can't you wait till I am dead? She was shaken by a furious hate for that shade that pursued her in this world, unappeased even by death in its longing for an heir that would be like other people's children. Hey, what? said Mio, keeping his distance prudently. He was saying to himself, Look out, some lunatic. An accident happened soon. She went on wildly. I want to live. To live alone for a week, for a day. I must explain to them. I would tear you to pieces. I would kill you twenty times over rather than let you touch me while I live. How many times must I kill you, you blasphemer? Come, said Mio, alarmed and conciliating. I am perfectly alive. Oh, my God. She had screamed alive and at once vanished before his eyes, as if the eyelid itself had swerved aside from under her feet. Mio rushed forward and fell flat with his chin over the edge. Far below he saw the water whitened by her struggles and heard one shrill cry for help that seemed to dart upwards along the perpendicular face of the rock and soar past, straight into high and impassive heaven. Madame Levey sat, dry-eyed, on the short grass of the hillside, with her thick legs stretched out and her old feet turned up in their black cloth shoes. 
and further off, the umbrella lay on the withered sward like a weapon dropped from the grasp of a vanquished warrior. The Marquis of Chavan, on horseback, one gloved hand on thigh, looked down at her as she got up laboriously with groans. On the narrow track of the seaweed carts, four men were carrying inland Susan's body on a handbarrow, while several others straggled listlessly behind. Madame Levey looked after the procession. Yes, Monsieur le Marquis, she said, dispassionately in her usual calm tone of a reasonable old woman. There are unfortunate people on this earth. I had only one child. Only one. And they won't bury her in consecrated ground. Her eyes filled suddenly, and a short shower of tears rolled down her broad cheeks. She pulled the shawl close about her. The Marquis leaned slightly over in his saddle and said, It is very sad. You have all my sympathy. I shall speak to the cure. She was unquestionably insane, and the fall was accidental. Mio says so distinctly. Good day, madame. And he trotted off, thinking to himself, I must get this old woman appointed guardian of those idiots and administrator of the farm. It would be much better than having here one of those other bacadous. Probably a red republican corrupting my commune. We're always on the hunt for great stories like this one to feature on the show. Send your suggestions to bigvoicej at gmail.com. We've got a YouTube channel full of stories from the show. Go to tiny.cc slash bedtime. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps to spread the word that we're putting people to sleep every single night. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a Buy Me a Coffee link on every page and post. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>